Hi and welcome to the Jewelry Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about fine jewelry and gemstones in a way that is simple and hopefully easy to understand. Today we will talk about all the terminology that you hear being tossed around but haven't quite understood or like wondered what is the difference between this and that. At least that was the way it was for me. It took me longer than I cared to admit before I really understood what, for example, a gemstone really is and what the actual difference between a gemstone and a crystal was. How come large crystals can be sold at quite reasonable prices in those funky new age hippie stores, but even small gemstones are crazy expensive? In this episode, we will learn why. And we will talk about minerals, semi-precious stones and organic stones. It is actually not half as complicated as it may seem, once you get the hang of it. It is my hope that after you have listened, you will feel that you have a new understanding of this fabulous world of gemstones and that it starts to feel more fun and inspiring rather than scary and intimidating. And my master plan behind providing you this knowledge is, of course, that the more you know, the more you want to learn and spread your newfound knowledge to others. I mean, being able to drop, did you know that rubies and sapphires are actually the same stone? It's just that the red sapphires are so iconic they got their own name, ruby, is the ultimate party trick. It is also epic inspiration for the next time you are in charge of Trivia Night. But we don't have any time to waste, so let's get this show on the road. Crystal, mineral, gemstone, are they all just different words for the same thing? No, they are not. And the most important thing you should try to understand, bear with me, is most gemstones are crystals, but most crystals are not gemstones. Kind of like all thumbs are fingers, but not all fingers are thumbs. Okay then, so repeat after me. Most gemstones are crystals, but most crystals aren't gemstones. But then... How is it all connected? To understand, we have to start by defining what a gem or precious stone is, and then defining what a crystal is, so that we can get around to the difference. The first thing you have to know about precious stones is that exactly as the name implies, they should be precious, or to use another word, rare. Oxford languages define precious as exquisite, of great value, not to be wasted or treated carelessly. And I think that ties it together quite nicely. The stones that get stuck underneath your shoes are often not of great value because they are way too common. And a common stone can't be precious because it isn't rare. Then there is another requirement that a stone has to fulfill in order to be considered as precious. It has to be pretty. That is what makes it desirable. 
and makes people want to pay a lot of money for it. The term gemstone, and just to be clear, gemstone and precious stone are just two words for exactly the same thing, was actually coined because you wanted a collective name for all the beautiful and rare stones that you wanted to use in jewelry or other decorative items. So that sort of creates the next conundrum. Are all rare and pretty stones gemstones? And the answer is no-ish. Marble, for example, is a stone that many would consider reasonably rare because it can only be sourced in some places and that many also would consider very pretty. For example, every lifestyle influencer on Instagram. But it is not a gemstone, because for a stone to be considered to be a gemstone or precious stone, it should be able to be used in a piece of jewelry. Marble is just a three on most scale of hardness. If you are unfamiliar with the term, tune into episode four, where we talk more about Mo. And as you might remember, three is quite soft. And just as a reference... A well-maintained fingernail has a hardness of two and a half. And maybe if you don't eat your vitamins, it can perhaps be a one. But generally, it has a hardness of around two and a half. So if you were to try and cut a piece of marble like a gemstone, polish it and set it in a ring, it would likely break in the process. It takes that a stone has a certain hardness for it to survive all these steps. And if, against the odds, you were able to set a piece of marble in a ring, you would notice that the stone would get scratched and matte very quickly. It simply wouldn't last very long. Marble just isn't resilient or durable enough to be put in a piece of jewelry. And that is why it is not called a gemstone. So now we have learned that for a stone to be a gemstone... Not only does it have to be rare and pretty, it also has to be durable and hard. Which brings us to the internationally accepted definition of what a gem or precious stone is. It has to be hard, durable, beautiful and rare. And perhaps that makes it easier to understand why almost all gemstones are found deep down in the bedrock where they have formed during millions of years under extreme and sometimes chaotic conditions, under massive amounts of pressure in high temperatures, making them hard and resilient. For a very long time, diamond was the hardest material known to man. And now we know there are actually six materials that are harder, graphene being the hardest, And hardness is a requirement if you want to be able to polish and cut the stones to the stunning sparklers that we put in jewelry. And then have that jewelry last for some odd 100 years and still look just as pretty, even when passed down through generations. And now we are scratching on the surface, pun intended, of something very interesting. Because what does this imply about minerals? That is actually quite straightforward. A mineral is defined as a solid, naturally occurring, inorganic material in the bedrock. So rocks are often then 
minerals. And this all means then that gemstones that are formed in the bedrock are always minerals. And actually, most gemstones are made from minerals. Take any gemstone you can think of. You can probably bet on that it is a mineral coming from the bedrock. We are talking about diamond, sapphire, ruby, emerald, topaz, morganite, aquamarine, spinel, citrine, heliodor, opal, amethyst, rock crystal, rose quartz, and a whole lot more with very complicated names that you might not have heard of. All minerals. And just as a short side note, depending on the conditions in the bedrock, different minerals are formed with different traits and characteristics, like different levels of hardness, different color or clarity, etc. It differs between different continents, countries, or even between different areas in the same country. For example, Burma and Thailand are known for their beautiful rubies, and Brazil for its emeralds. Many morganite mines are in Mozambique, and Sri Lanka is renowned for its ocean blue sapphires. But which gemstones aren't minerals? There are actually only a few, so I thought I'd go through them quickly now. There are five stones that are traditionally considered to be gemstones but aren't minerals. Pearl, coral, amber, ivory, and jet. Have you noticed the common denominator? They are all organically created or formed by or from an animal or plant. Pearls grow in shelled mollusks like an oyster or clam. Coral is a hard skeleton left behind by marine polyps that often forms a larger structure like a reef or an atoll. Amber is the translucent fossilized resin, typically yellowish in color. Ivory comes from the tusks and teeth of animals, traditionally elephants. And jet is a type of lignite, the lowest rank of coal, and is a mineraloid. Jet is derived from wood that has changed under extreme pressure. And the term jet black, meaning as dark as black as possible, derives from this material. So, these five gemstones aren't minerals and are therefore called organic gemstones because they originate from living, organic things. So now, we know what makes a gemstone a gemstone and separates it from a common pebble stuck under your shoe and that most of them are minerals, but that there are five organic exceptions. But if we accept this is true, which we will, then what is a crystal? Well, when you mine these stones from the bedrock, you notice that most of them have very symmetrical atomic structures, where the atoms are interconnected in the same pattern to one another. Imagine that you were super tiny, like impossibly so, sitting chilling on an atom inside a gemstone. You would be able to look in all possible directions and see the exact same pattern in all directions. This ordered arrangement is called the crystal structure. So a crystal implies symmetry. There is one famous gemstone that is a mineral, that is an exception to this ordered symmetrical structure, 
and that is the opal. And quite frankly, the opal is a mess, or at least its atomic structure is. And that is why you don't cut an opal in the same manner that you cut other gemstones, but rather go for rounder, more organic shapes, so that it looks more like the organic gemstones, like pearl or amber. And now we have gotten to the point where it gets really, really interesting, the climax of the episode. Which stones are then sold as crystals in the boho New Age stores? And which ones are sold as expensive gemstones in fine jewelry boutiques? Regardless of what mineral you're talking about, it has to be cut to become a gemstone. It is first when a stone is cut and shaped that it can be put in a piece of jewelry that it becomes a gemstone. As you might remember from the beginning of this episode. Before that, it's just a fancy color rock. A raw crystal that comes straight from the bedrock or a raw piece of coral from the ocean doesn't quite meet gemstone standards yet, if you know what I mean. They don't really have a shape, they don't sparkle. If you would see a diamond fresh from the mine, you probably wouldn't even realize it was a diamond. You would just think it was another dull pebble. So if it doesn't sparkle, it is not a gemstone. But the thing is, all the rocks you mine don't have gemstone quality, or perhaps we should say don't have the potential to become gemstone quality. Why? Either it could be that they have too many inclusions and impurities to be a durable gemstone. As we learned in episode 5, impurities causes a stone to become brittle, and a brittle stone might not be able to handle the pressure of being set into a piece of jewelry without breaking. So rather than being cut and used in jewelry, the gem is treated very gently, for example through barreling, and is sold on its own for its spiritual and healing effects in a crystal shop. And this might be the case when you find, for example, a tourmaline in a crystal shop for 10 to 50 euros. The tourmaline is still very much a tourmaline. It just doesn't meet gemstone quality. It is still probably a very pretty stone. It just serves a different purpose and has a different kind of beauty. Another reason why a crystal might not be gemstone quality could also be because this particular mineral isn't hard or durable enough to be used as a gemstone. It needs to have a certain level of hardness to be able to withstand the gemstone treatment, cutting, polishing and setting. And that is why not all crystals are gemstones, but almost all gemstones are crystals. They just leveled up. Another thing that allows crystals to be sold more frequently and at more modest prices in various shops and online is that there is a large supply of some minerals. For example, quartz is one of the most common minerals on earth. And depending on the conditions in the bedrock where they are formed, they can look very different. For example, white quartz is called rock crystal. The purple variety is called amethyst, light pink, rose quartz, and yellow quartz is called citrine. 
and a large majority of all quartz that is mined is only treated very gently and is sold as a crystal in a crystal shop. So the simple answer to the lower price is the large supply. But the price does not only depend on supply. It also has to do with the fact that they haven't been cut and polished properly by a gemstone cutter. Doing so could actually increase the value a lot. So an amethyst sold as gemstone will most likely be a lot more expensive than an amethyst sold as a crystal, both because it has a better quality and clarity, but because someone put in the work and leveled up the stone, maximizing its full potential and made it into a gemstone. Which brings us to the semi-precious stones. Before, you only called the hardest stones, diamond, ruby, sapphire and emerald precious. All the others that still met the criteria for being gemstones were called semi-precious. But nowadays, you don't make that distinction anymore. Either a stone is precious, gemstone quality according to the previously discussed criteria, or it isn't. Instead, stones are now graded and valued based on their hardness, rarity and durability, and also based on how they look, which is in part their clarity and the intensity of their color, but also to a large extent their cut. A good cutter can not only maximize luster and radiance, but also enhance and intensify the color of a gemstone. Today, actually most gemstones are cut in the same workshops as diamonds, but that was not always the case. But more and more cutters that were specialized in diamonds have now widened their portfolio and are cutting everything from sapphire to topaz, tourmaline and aquamarine, etc. with the same care as you would a diamond. Which is lucky for us, because now we have even more precious sparkle to choose from. And this process of jewelry acceptance started in the 80s, when you started to value gemstones other than the big four just as highly, or at least along the same yardstick. And that also means that you can see quite clearly how old the piece of jewelry is. If you compare an old aquamarine ring to a new one, you will notice that the quality of the cut on the new one is significantly more refined. And I want to finish this episode by talking about synthetic gemstones. Today, we have the technology to recreate these geological processes artificially in a laboratory. That is when stones are called synthetic or lab-grown. You may have noticed a lab-grown diamond trend emerging. So, synthetic gemstones are created or grown in a lab where man has created the exact same conditions as in the bedrock, with extremely high pressure and temperatures. And rather than millions of years, growing a diamond only takes a few days. A 10-carat diamond takes only 10 days to grow in a lab. Crazy times. And a synthetic diamond has exactly the same chemical properties as a natural one. It's, for example, just as hard. So when we figured out the process of growing diamonds in a lab in the 1950s, it was General Electric, the industry corporation, that first patented the process. A lot of diamonds were created for industry purposes, and they weren't gemstone quality because they were almost always yellow and not in a good way. 
with tons of inclusions. But then in the 80s, we figured out how to grow perfect white sparklers even in a lab, and they were cut and sold as gemstones. In many countries, you aren't allowed to sell or market a lab diamond as simply a diamond. For example, in Sweden, you have to add the prefix synthetic to a lab-grown diamond. But in others, for example, in the US, you don't need to add the word synthetic anymore, as long as it is absolutely clear from the context that it isn't a natural diamond. So that means you have to be careful. Both natural and synthetic diamonds can since 2018 be sold simply as diamond in the US. And a lot of you might now be wondering, which one is more eco-friendly? A natural or a synthetic diamond? Well, you might be able to deduct that it takes a whole lot of energy to artificially recreate the kind of conditions under which diamonds naturally grow. A report made in 2019, the first big study on this topic, ordered by the Diamond Producers Association and conducted by True Cost ESG analysis, found that the synthetic diamond industry let out three times as much carbon dioxide into the atmosphere as the natural diamond industry. A one-carat natural diamond has a 160 kg carbon footprint compared to 511 kg for a lab diamond. And yes, you may think that Diamond Producers Association might be a biased purchaser, but the fact is that De Beers, you know the company who essentially had a monopoly of the diamond market and whose history we talked about in episode 3, have a diamond lab of their own. Their synthetic diamonds are sold under a separate brand, Lightbox Jewelry. And you can visit their website and see that all diamonds have the same price, 800 US dollar per carat. All have the same perfect clarity and they are available in the colors white, pink and baby blue. Pretty smart in my opinion. De Beers understood that the demand for lab-grown diamonds was growing and if they didn't take matters into their own hands, they would be outrun by the competition, at least temporarily. They also write that the biggest differences between natural and lab-created diamonds are how they're made and how rare they are. And this, I think, is the most important factor to consider if you are buying a synthetic diamond. Don't pay too much for it. Absolutely not more or even on par with what you would pay for a natural diamond because it simply is nearly as rare. The supply of lab diamonds is theoretically infinite. And because they aren't rare, they do not meet the criteria for being a gemstone and cannot be sold as one in Sweden. It has to be sold as a synthetic or a lab-grown gemstone. I hope you found this episode interesting. I really enjoyed recording it and sharing this with you because when I actually understood the things we talked about, it was a true light bulb moment on so many levels and I got a whole new understanding of the jewelry industry. 
the entire reason you started to divide stones into pressures and non-pressures, aka completely normal stones, rocks and pebbles, was that you wanted to use the gemstones for decorative purposes, put in jewelry. And most gemstones are crystals formed in the bedrock, even though there are exceptions. But since all crystals aren't hard or even enough in color or aren't clear or durable enough to be gem quality and able to be cut and polished and used in jewelry, not all crystals can be gemstones. Then they are sold in New Age boho crystal shops for their healing and spiritual properties instead. Properties that the gemstones also possess, of course, but that is for a later episode. A million thanks for joining me today. And don't forget, you deserve fine jewelry. <laughs>